Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today CIO Podcast. I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor at Healthcare IT Today, and I'm excited to bring you the most practical healthcare CIO insights and perspectives. We know your job is challenging and we want to help you be more successful. And our guest today is Rob Carey. He's former deputy DOD CIO and also the Navy CIO, and he's now president of Cloudera Government Solutions. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me, John. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, excited for this discussion. Uh, you know, I think we all all look at the government and the mystery of government, and hopefully you can give us some insights and maybe some things we can learn here in the commercial side of things as well. But uh, before we dive into some of that, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and really that move from government CIO to now being at Cloudera. Yeah, uh, good question. So um, I retired a few years back um, in 2014 out of the Department of Defense at, at a large place that has about 4 million employees, uh, sits in Arlington and the Pentagon, and um, moved into the federal system integrator community for a couple of years and worked in a few of those places. And then uh, cyber was sort of my passion at the time, and I moved into a software company, RSA, and then from RSA to here in Cloudera. And I had had this uh, decision to, to dig into something a little different. Um, data has always been very important. And when you sit and look at every problem that the government and most of commercial have, it is bounded by or informed by data at some point in time. So uh, being a cyber guy and you realize cybersecurity is a data problem. It just is a big data problem. So I know we're going to talk about healthcare and healthcare informatics, but again, this is about how do you manage this plethora of data and, and how do you manage it more simply to provide information to doctors to render proper medical care. Um, and, and that's been uh, one of our big thrusts at Cloudera as well. So I've been here about uh, a little over two years and uh, enjoying working with the government on this aspect and helping the old team uh, get better at what it does. Yeah, that's awesome. And it, we're going to get to the data stuff, but I, I think before we go there, you know, were there, what were some of the main lessons you learned as a government CIO or now a former government CIO? Um, you know, one of the lessons you learn um, was to listen. It sounds really simple, but mm -hmm. listen to your staff and listen to industry as they come in and they, they're communicating with you about, here's what we've done in support of you, Right. So, so I get, that's probably the biggest thing is to know when to zip your lip and turn the things on either side of your head on, because the, the more senior you get, uh, at least for me, the more I realized I didn't know, right? And I needed to listen. I needed to understand other perspectives. You embrace differing perspectives, right? You do not want people being yes men and yes women to you, because that can lead you into trouble quickly that you can't dig yourself out of. So um, that was certainly one big thing. The, the second big thing was everything rides on the back of the network uh, when, mm. you know, and it just does. So every process, every mission, there are virtually no things that don't intersect that term, the network. Ergo, they create data about what just happened, right? So now how do you manage that? When I was in government, the tools that existed to manage that plethora of data did not really exist. They were very cumbersome and <laughs> very expensive and time consuming. And now the, the tools are very powerful and very capable. Um, and we'll talk later about you know where I think that's going. But um, so those are some of the big lessons that I that I learned was you know really a pay attention and then b you know understand everything you do intersects intersects this network. And I guess the last lesson is. 
um, security is paramount, right? Everything you do is now this fundamental of cyber has to be built in, not bolted on. Um, and frankly, we, we've made a lot of strides in cyber, but so have bad guys. So, so that's, a, that's another conversation for another time. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, I think we have made a lot of strides, <laughs> but, you know, to your point, the, the, the bad guys have too. So it, it's an ever evolving situation. It's interesting when you talk about listening, uh, you know, the, it sounds like you're describing the difference between listening and hearing, right? Like actually hearing what they're saying rather than just listening to, to get your own point across. That's a really, really good advice. Uh, you know, we're, we're, are there some things that, you know, the commercial healthcare could learn from government? Because, you know, government obviously has some unique idiosyncrasies and, uh, you know, and they have some interesting budget approaches that are different or anyway, approaches to lots of things. Well, you know, what could we learn in, in, you know, kind of commercial healthcare from the government? Well, I think I think that, um, you know, first of all, healthcare is healthcare. Good healthcare is good healthcare regardless if it's rendered by the National, National Institute of Health or the Veterans uh, Affairs Department or uh, the Defense Health Agency, right? That, that, that practice is interwoven with each other. So commercial and government doctors really do collaborate on best practices, right? And, and there are systems because of the laws that govern both uh, information regarding citizens and information regarding, you know, healthcare professionals that, that, you know, again, security becomes paramount. So, so who spends the most on security? It is government, right? It yep, is. For sure. are we, are we, would I say we are better at it? I would say, or, you know, the old team, are you better at it? And the answer is probably yes, to, to a large degree, but at the same time, uh, there's a very willingness to share information back and forth about what's working here, what's working there. We use commercial tools that are built by the commercial providers that provide the same uh, informatics tools and healthcare uh, tools to uh, civilian doctors, to the healthcare systems around the country. So there's a great deal of overlap about what they do and how they do it. There are systems uh, like the Veterans Affairs Department runs this system called VISTA, Right, mm -hmm. VISTA manages healthcare for millions of retirees, military retirees. I, I'm one of them. Um, those systems don't exist with the specific requirements that the government has on the commercial side. So that's where there's a little bit different difference in in those things. But they're ultimately out to do the same thing: you know, provide um, the best healthcare they can at an affordable cost to the individuals. Yeah. It's interesting. We haven't dove into that on the security side more than we have. Right. Because you're right. The government has invested in that for, for so many more reasons. I mean, obviously, some of the obvious reasons for healthcare, but you know, the, we should probably dive into that more. That, that's interesting to think about. You know, I, I want to talk about the network that you talked about. Right. Like, yeah. and, and, you know, that it's all on the back of the network, you know, and, and I see a shift kind of happening, you know, and, and, and how should you know, CIOs be thinking about what I, I consider this shift from managing IT infrastructure to now, you know, managing data and data management. You know, how, how do you think a CIO should be looking at this? And to me, I, I think it goes back to your network point, like the network is changing. It used to be right. IT, now it's, it's data. You know, talk to me about that and what a CIO should know about that. Well, so, so it, it's a good question. So, it's it's actually you know where's that that last answer on a mobile choice it's all of the above right so, <laughs> and, and that's different because 
15 years ago, a lot of CIOs managed the actual hardware infrastructure of the network, keep the effort and network running, manage the gal, manage desktops, laptops, servers, things like that. Yep. Manage identity, manage those kinds of things. Well, data is coming in, data is being produced. You know, we, we, we suddenly realized the cloud was going to come about and become an actual component that wasn't inside of your firewall, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. It's now outside of your firewall. So the government then creates the standard called FedRAMP, which is a implementation of the NIST 853 standard of, of security protocols to the public cloud offerings that now as a, uh, a cloud service provider, you must meet those things, right? So now there's a there's a, a a rule and a set of standards that does not exist in the commercial world, right? It it exists in the government world. So so there's also this merging of the architecture, <coughs> the infrastructure, the applications, and the data, right? Are all because of what I like to say is those four things create a capability, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and what do I mean by that? Well run an application who is running maybe on-prem, maybe in the cloud. So it may be actually in a hybrid architecture. Most federal agencies are running hybrid architectures. They have certain things in the cloud. They have certain things on-prem. Um, they may have them in multiple clouds. So it could be a hybrid multi-cloud architecture. So, so now data is everywhere. Data starts to spread out, right? And, and so you as a CIO have to go, all right, how do I get my hands around this and manage it, right? So I can't just be the network guy. I can't be the application guy. I can't be the data guy. I have to uh, uh, knit that together into a capability and provide the ability to render uh, insight from it and, and gain information. I like to think of, you know, you have data, data that's refined with a context is information, information refined becomes insight, right? So you're looking mm -hmm. at things differently as you come across uh, what I just said. And so that's all now doable today. It was not doable before, but but today, you know, you 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 can't escape the data aspect of it because we now have tools that can manifest the understanding of data at different levels. Uh, interestingly enough, um, there are now uh, positions legislated for federal agencies of chief data officer, right? When I was a CIO, that guy worked for me, right? So did the CISO. So, but now it has it has got a position uh, elevated to, you know, there's a CISO, there's a CIO, and there's a CDO, and there's a CTO. There's lots of chiefs, you know. But at the same time, <laughs> it provided a focus on data that wasn't, wasn't being felt, right? Because we were used to running, as you said, the infrastructure and not running what's coming out of the infrastructure. Remember, the, the network exists to run your mission and then provide you information and make decisions properly. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. The CIO needs to manage all of this, right? <laughs> like, you know, in an effective way. What do you think are some of the keys to managing all that data effectively? I think the biggest thing um, uh, is, uh, John, to... To, where's your data? Know where your data is, right? And that's that's a trivial statement, but boy, that's when you when you look under the hood, do you know where it all is? The answer is generally you do not, right? Yeah, I mean, every health system has thousand plus applications. It's it's insane. It's yeah, you know, we don't understand how many. And, and, but but now the cool thing is there are tools that can decipher that stuff and align it, organize it, 
and allow you to analyze it that did not exist literally five, six years ago. So the ability to now manage this data, find it, organize it, decide what is wheat and what is chaff. I always like to say, you know, you don't want to put everything in the cloud, for example, because everything costs money as it sits there. You want to put the data that you want in the cloud and you can do what you want with the rest. So, so this understanding of data, where is it? What does it look like? We always used to say we have structured data and, uh, and unstructured data. Now there's several different flavors. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> uh, 31 flavors of ice cream. Yeah. But but you once you understand that tools don't care about that stuff anymore. They used to, but tools don't care about it anymore. So can I run streaming analytics as I move data from the edge through some algorithms we will call AI or ML into a, a place, a data lake house to then render uh, insights I couldn't do before. Yes, I can do that. Actually, rather simply. Um, so it is one of those things that as, as we move into the next, let's say, five to 10 years, this part of information technology will expand its capabilities two or threefold. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that's what I love about like ChatGPT, not the ChatGPT solution itself, but it enlivened our minds to think that, hey, things are going faster than we realize, right? No, no, that, that's exactly right. That is an implementation of AI that was an eye-opener for a lot of people who just hadn't said, what, what, what is AI? What do you do with that? Well, yeah. let, let me just show you one application of AI that's really cool, you know? And, yeah. and so people are now, there's millions of people, I'm sure, playing with it now. Right. Yep. And that's exactly. really crowdsourcing. What can you do with it is now what's going on, which is way cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's why I love technology is that these types of periods, I think we went through it with mobile phones. We went through it with the internet. I mean, let's go all the way back, right? Mobile phones, social media, and now AI, it feels like a similar type of discovery moment. That's really interesting. Right. And, 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 you know, the chat tools don't exist and don't provide any value without the network. Back to my statement of everything works on the network. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting your comment about um, your passion for data as you kind of introduced yourself, right? And that that you know you 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 know you're diving into what can we do with this data? Are there some areas where we could better use data to address some of society's biggest challenges that you think you know are really interesting and you know and, and that get you excited in the morning? Uh, yes, a and uh, in the air say S uh, by itself, <laughs> but I, there there are so many that it is unbounded now. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. We have a solution engineer on my staff who, in his copious spare time, he's done two of these. He he built two applications. One that took him all of four hours to wow. take 17 types of data and gathering up, you know, obviously blank inputs, but 17 types of data that dealt with veterans health, specifically heart health. Okay. And we ran, you know, he, he, he literally, knit, I watched him do this. He knitted this, this tool together and then you ran some dummy data on it. And, and within four hours, he had created a capability for a, a doctor to discover a potential, maybe not a final, but a potential risk for heart disease in a candidate, mm. just like that. Now, you know, when you when you when your eyes open wide and you and I know that can that can happen. I was amazed at how simply that could happen, right? That capability. 
Um, uh, the same individual has, has built a tool that helped knit together uh, cameras and doors and, and uh, data uh, pattern recognition in schools uh -huh. for school intrusion attempts and to mitigate those things. So you think if the doors were on their own network, the cameras are cued with this tool, they see somebody come through the front door, it's not supposed to be there. Can they open doors, close doors, set off a line, do all kinds of things. And this is all based upon um, pretty, pretty sophisticated uh, capabilities that this young man put together. But at the same time, Who'd have thunk that, that this guy on our staff could build a tool that a school district might actually purchase, right? And so I, I wouldn't have given, I know that can exists, but then I see it. And I think not only do you see it, you can you can feel it. You can see that would have value. So, so there's so many places where if you just sit and think about what problem am I trying to solve? What's the data that is embedded in that problem? How can I then maybe tune either machine learning or artificial intelligence algorithms to start giving me information out that I wouldn't have seen otherwise, because I, I it would be too many data set, you know, too many uh, elements of information to then create a cohesion. This is where the AI works better than the brain, because it could be 50 or 60 data elements there. Um, and then could I say, hey, that person walking in is not authorized to be there. They pulled the door open, whatever. You know, can we lock all the doors in the classrooms? What have you? The answer is yes. All that stuff's uh, re really cool because you can then step into the problem and then figure out ways to mitigate uh, a challenge that would be existing in whatever problem this happens to be. Yeah. Well, and you're highlighting two different elements there that I think is interesting. The one is like, imagine trying to do your, you know, your cardiac issue, you know, identifying that in a paper chart world, right? <laughs> right. It's, it's physically not doable, right? Yeah, it doesn't yes, exist. it is, but not, not where, hey, the doctor could get data from you. And then, and then obviously this is the cool part about trend analysis, right? All right. The last two times you're in here, here's all your measurements. Now we took your stats and, and, and something changed. It tripped a trigger that he wouldn't have seen on paper, but the machine tells him, his computer tells him, ask this guy about, or this woman about, and, and, and maybe they can mitigate a potential significant medical issues. So it's just the, the power of data is unbounded. It's just unbounded. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we didn't have the data before in an electronic format to be able to do this. And then to your point, even if we had the data from cameras and doors, if you don't have the AI on top of it to understand what is good and what is bad, you still don't have you know much value. So it's it's interesting leveraging that. And and maybe that's the other question I have for you is you know what does the future of data look like? You know, I think you've given us a little insight in these examples, but how do you see it continuing to evolve? So so I you know, and this is where I'll, I'll put on my blue sky cap. Um, I really do believe as I'm watching where data is going and the, the utilization of data, because that's really what's important, not that it's it's always being created. And you've sure. seen the, the you know, petabyte, zettabyte, exabyte, <laughs> get into these, you know, like yeah. I can't even conceive of the number of zeros, you know, but um, the, the, the thing that's most impressive is the, the construction of the tools to enable more than just a data engineer or data scientist to engage it, if that makes sense. So, so the commoditization of data to enables anyone who is an analyst, a business analyst, or a health informatics analyst 
to create queries, to customize algorithms and engage the data to solve more and more problems. Uh, so more eyes, you know, it's sort of like it is the crowdsourcing of the solutions, right? Um, and then to create responses, to create solutions um, with this data. Uh, I, I find that's where this is, that's where we're going, the, the commoditization of data. So right now, data is usable by tools that are fairly sophisticated and they require uh, data engineers, data scientists that are pretty smart guys and there's not a lot of them, guys and gals. And, and so in the future, to then open that up to, let's say, tenfold the number of people who can engage the data you can think of what could just happen here with that number of uh, brains and thoughts being applied to problems. Not only will we get problems solved, but we'll get them solved better than they would if just one person created the answer, right? They sort yeah. of build upon each other and, and get to the future. So I do think that the, the commoditization is data is the next thing for it because data is always going to be produced at a, at a level beyond which we can comprehend. So the machines have to manage it on behalf of the humans. Interesting. You know, it brings up another thought and I'd love your perspective because you lived this and, and that is that, you know, CIOs have so many fires they have to put out, right? <laughs> like what well, everything we've talked about, everything you shared around that, you know, I'm sure a lot of the solutions Cloudera is offering, you know, healthcare organizations, it's like, this is really sexy stuff to talk about, you know, using AI and data to really transform care. And, you know, it's like, how should a CIO manage doing all this sexy stuff versus the unsexy legacy infrastructure, application rationalization, consolidation, you know, that, that consumes their time, EHR optimization in the healthcare world, right? Like, how should a CIO approach kind of balancing keeping the lights on, if you will, right? And and all the overhead of, of the bureaucracy, et cetera, you know, versus, hey, there's some really innovative things happening and how do I incorporate those? In, you know, how did you approach that kind of innovation mindset versus kind of operations mindset? Well, it, it's, again, it's you, you've actually said it. It's just a balance, right? It is a simple prioritization balance. You, you know, what your organization, mind, the Department of the Navy, you know, the, the secretary of the Navy could tell me what he wanted done. And, and clearly did that rise up to the top of my list? Of course it did. <laughs> now, but, but know full well that those structural functional things still have to get done. The boring stuff has to get done to keep the trains running on time, which then enables you some time to go think ahead and think out of the box. So, you know, the, the thing that you realize is the time you have to find time to think as a CIO, you, you cannot, I had a uh, chief of naval operations um, tell me one day, uh, you know, ask me how much time did I spend thinking a day? And of course, you, this is a test question, right? And and he, <laughs> he asked me, no, seriously, how many hours a day do you spend just thinking that? He goes, because that's your job, right? So, wow. so, and I said, I don't know, one or two. And he goes, well, it should be probably half your day or more that you should be just thinking, not reading emails, not attending meetings you know, thinking about how to, like we were talking about, move the chess pieces for the simple stuff, the structural stuff, and move the chess pieces for the the plays that are going to get you ahead of the curve. We're going to make things better for you, the innovation ideas. You can't stay in either camp too long, but you have to then realize, and and, and that changes, you know, week to week, day to day, sometimes what you work sure. on. 
um, those things really do help you then um, apply the balance that is necessary. Because um, if you go too out too far out on one vector, generally your organization will bring you back. Right. There's a, something you didn't catch. innovation or or chess pieces of the regular. That's, That's true. Right. That's it, right. It's That's a balance. Right. That's great. Well, we always like to end these uh, episodes of the podcast uh, with kind of a bit of career perspective or advice. So what would you say is the best piece of advice that you've heard in your career? Um. Wow, that's a uh, that's a simple question, but that's a difficult one. Um, you know, I think the best piece of advice that worked the best for me um, is to listen. Is to uh, as you become a little more senior, realizing what you know and realizing what you don't know. And even if you do know it, if you if someone brings it to you, you can congratulate them, you can thank them, um, and and then it 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 gives you confidence that your thought was proper, right, on that issue. So uh, when you when you come across folks that are in transmit mode only, uh, they're struggling to deal with at times because they're, you know, uh, they, they tend to come off as world's smartest men and women and, and nobody is that person, right? So you have to be mindful of that. But when it almost makes people nervous when you're quiet in a meeting because you are listening, because they <laughs> think you're gonna uh, engage them every time they open their mouth. Um, but I found that's probably been the best advice. Uh, and, and, you know, I've had it rendered to me a couple of times and I've actually had people say to me, which was, was like, Hey, I graduated, um, that, uh, you are better at it and, and you're actually a good, I've had people tell me you're a good mm-hmm. listener. And I was, I was really flattered by that. It's one of the few statements somebody could say to me that I thought I actually worked on this. And somebody said it, it was noticeable and we thank you for that. But, but it also helps you navigate these difficult problems because you don't, you, you can't say, you know, everything you just don't, you know, and, and so yeah. that, that's been most helpful, especially as you climb to more senior positions, you realize, you know, less and less, right? Yeah. Well, and I think there's a hidden lesson there too, that you just described, which is that we can learn and change, right? Like, I, I think that's a, that's a nice lesson that if you're not listening now, you, you can, you can adapt, right? So that's right. I love that. Well, uh, you know, Rob, this has been fascinating, interesting. I love their perspectives and I love in the background, all the awards and medals. Obviously you have a a prestigious career in the the DOD as CIO and as Navy CIO as well. And now uh, president of Cladera Government Solutions. So appreciate your service to our nation and to us and uh, and, and all the uh, veterans as well. And uh, thanks for sharing your insights and perspectives. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareittoday.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcasting application. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.